Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend, my co-host, you know him well, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, how are you doing today, man? I'll be doing a lot better tomorrow after a Cavs win. <laughs> so we can just, uh, you know, get less stressed out over these uh, play-in games. Well, you sound mighty confident, my friend. Many ask why. Uh, you know, I just, uh, we got this far. Why not just keep the positivity going? You know, that's not our brand to go against the positivity. I feel like it's a disservice to our listeners to just get on here and, uh, just get on our soapbox and just be sad. You're not lying as I was just on mute there talking. (laughs) Technical difficulties already. That's not a good sign. (laughs) It's all right. The Cavs had technical difficulties last night, so oh, we're just getting the rust out of the way. Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm loving it. You're picking me up. Cavs lost to the Brooklyn Nets by the score of 108 to 115, if I am not mistaken, and an absolutely heartbreaking loss last night. And I say heartbreaking because there is one lasting image in my mind of said game that we just talked about off air, and that is – Darius Garland appearing to be sobbing. And I think it was Kyrie Irving who was consoling him, which is a pretty cool moment to see. Um, You know, Cleveland, great point guard of the past and potential, you know, great of the future in Darius Garland. So that was a pretty cool embrace to see, I suppose. But, man, was it a heartbreaking loss because you could just tell that DG left everything out on the floor, man. Yeah, uh, it kind of felt like what I've been saying all season where I'm like, I hope in postseason it doesn't like kind of feel like Darius has to put the whole team on his back in order for this team to get some kind of offensive production. And it felt like for stretches of this game that that was the only way we were really going to get our way through this. Yeah, I mean, I just just watching last night's game, it become it became very, very clear to me. And that's that this team is probably not going to be able to get over the hump when facing teams that have so much offensive firepower of if Karis LeVert is not on, um, especially without the presence of Jared Allen and having like lit, like zero pick and roll action out there. Yeah. And like zero defensive presence and ability to just get boards. This kind of just felt like, honestly, like a rinse and repeat of the game we saw early last or late last week. Exactly the same way. Like literally, even in heading into halftime, I got the exact same feeling. And I was minutes away from tweeting at that point in time that this game is literally following the exact same script (laughs) of the previous matchup. The only difference was we really never retained the lead or like got the lead back after uh, very quick in this game. I mean, it's a little it was upsetting, but at the same time, I was glad that the Cavs didn't kind of crumble at 
in like the later stretches of the game. I felt like they were constantly like clawing their way to try to get back. And this team has done that like throughout the entire season. You never see them truly get like walked off the floor. I've probably like been like a handful of times where the Cavs just kind of rolled over and called it one. And uh, you, you didn't see that in this game either. This game was also, I felt like, had a chance for the Cavs to come back with at least like five minutes left again in the fourth. So you can't complain too much because at the end of the day, the Nets had two of the three best players on the floor. And that really was what determined this game. I mean, screw the floor. They got two of the top 15 players in the NBA. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, just with that said, though, the Cavs could not afford to get into a firefight. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, you got Kyrie Irving out here being just truly special and I'm going 12 of 15 from the field. And I think at one point, what was he like 11 of 11? Yeah. 12 of 12, 12 of 12. Yeah. So he, he, he made his first 12 shots and everything, literally everything he threw up, even his misses were beautiful. (laughs) Well, what was more impressive, Mac? Was it that or that in 33 combined minutes, Okoro and Jetty Osman, I think Uh, scored zero. (laughs) Well, I mean, you had to get right into the negatives. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying, I mean, you got one really like impress. They're both impressive in different ways. True, very true. I- I'm glad you brought that up because that uh, that kind of brings me to my next point. <laughs> Acoro got 13 minutes last night. So my question to you, my friend, is: Is that more of a sense of JB just kind of trying to spark something and rolling with the guys he felt would best help them win that game, or is is that like a significant benching right there? I felt like when it came down to the Cavs being down like 40 to 20 at the first quarter, it's kind of like what a brings to the table. Isn't going to really help in that situation per se. And I think that's why we got a lot more jetty minutes than we were expecting because you and I both know jetty is probably one of the worst defensive players on this team. So the JB throws him in. He knows that like, all right, well, if anyone's going to be able to spark a a comeback, it's going to have to be jetty and jetty was off like completely off. His water was shut. The minute he stepped onto the floor, he kind of just looked like the jetty Osmond of old that we've been fearing that we'll see throughout the season. And I was honestly shocked that Lamar didn't get the nod initially to start over jetty coming like the first person other than Kevin love coming into the game. So I, you could just kind of tell JV JB felt like his back was against the wall when you kind of saw the subs that were coming in. I mean, the most alarming thing in, in that game though, was not, was not even the Okoro minutes or the lack of production from him or really, you know, much, production at all from the you know from the two guard spot um in a sense if you want to include jetty in that but the the most alarming thing to me was moses brown did not play a minute in last night's game and i felt like they truly could have used some big body out there and i i don't get that i mean you had andre Jelman providing very vital minutes in in 16 well 19 minutes out there last night andre Jelman provided 16 points eight rebounds. And I mean, honestly, that was the best version of Andre Drummond. They probably could have hoped to got uh, to have gotten last night for them. And then you talk about Nicholas Claxton who provided 13 and nine off the bench for them. So man, <laughs> why didn't we see Moses Brown last night? Well, first off, I want to point out that that Nicholas Claxton uh, buzzer beater at the half had me fuming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when, when that happened, I'm like this game. <laughs> I know I, I turned I to my it. girlfriend. I'm like, 
that guy wouldn't hit that shot if you gave him 30 more attempts. No, <laughs> like, it was, under those he, circumstances. That was a clear indicator that everything was coming up nets last night. Yeah, uh, but to, to go to Moses Brown, I personally like never felt like he was ever going to see the floor, especially once, like I said, that lead kind of just became insurmountable, it felt like at times, because you, Moses Brown, when he comes into the game, what he's going to bring is a pick and roll body for the guards to play with. But defensively, he is lost like at all times. I feel like he very rarely is in the right spots and his energy that he brings on the offensive side hasn't ever really seemed to translate to the defensive side. And he needs to like just grow more into like learning the game more from an NBA perspective. I'd say like by the like after a summer of being with the the Cavs and p- probably we'll probably see him in the um summer league too i would assume that he will be a better defensive threat but as of right now i'm i i, I personally understood why jb didn't call his number that's fair enough and i'm not by no means am i saying the guy should have been out there for 15 to 20 plus but i thought at some point just to kind of get another big body out there a guy that can at least rebound a bit um and to to, to at least combat what claxton and drummond bring to the table you could throw uh throw brown at least five to ten minutes i mean when you look at the minutes distribution for the big men out uh in the game last night Moby played 35 minutes it's safe to assume he was going to get that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in if you want to include him in that, 29 minutes. Yeah, that's about standard for him. Kevin Love, 29. He was very effective last night. Good yeah. old K-Love always providing something. And he actually, if you want to hear something crazy, Kevin Love actually had the highest plus minus of any Cavalier last night. It felt like it, honestly. Like the minute he came into the game, you kind of felt like the Cavs got their energy back. It seems like when the Rondo and Kevin minutes have been coming lately, like that's when like, the team really starts to pick it up a notch offensively. I felt very pleased with the non Garland minutes in that second quarter. Like we kind of ran without Garland for a lot longer than I was expecting. And it didn't feel like the team was getting sunk by it. I feel like that happens with this team from time to time, Mm -hmm. but it seems like Rondo has been playing very well recently. So that kind of easily helps. Levert was very disappointing. We we go talk about Gary Levert, (laughs) but yeah, he was. To a degree. Yeah, it was. But Kevin and Rondo, to me, were kind of like the stars of like outside of Darius and Evan, obviously, that that was to without explanation required. But they were like kind of like the stars of this, like the Cavs resurgence, I felt like in the second quarter going onward. And I was a little upset that Kevin, I felt like didn't really play as much as he probably should have, even though he played 29. I know when you think about that, when you listen to that number 29, you're like, well, damn coming off the bench. Those are starters minutes damn near. But for him, it just felt like in the flow of the game, they could have used him. I mean, off the bench in his 29 minutes, he had 14 points, 13 rebounds, and he shot five of 11 from the field, three or four from three. Um, like I said, highest plus minus of any Cavalier last night with plus 10. And then to your point about Rondo, Having that uh, backup facilitator who you can put the ball in in his hands and feel comfortable with him being able to orchestrate the offense is vital, especially to getting Darius Garland some rest and getting him some off-ball reps. And I I really like the minutes that that they play together. I don't know about you. Um, Yeah, 100%. uh, (laughs) Seven points, nine assists for him last night. We know he's kind of a wild card anytime he's taking any type of shot. I mean, obviously. Not afraid to. 
That's for I, no, sure. Yeah, and I think I tweeted at some point this season, I would love to see some of Rajon Rondo's confidence rub off on Dylan Windler. <laughs> Anyone's confidence outside of Dylan Windler's confidence. Yeah, give some of Jetty's. Give some of the Jetty's irrational Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> exactly. That'd I mean, nuts. can you imagine Dylan Windler with like a Dion Waiters mindset? I think I don't that would be some thing. fun to watch. I mean, <laughs> for him, it might be. I mean, it might be something to which I would rather a guy have more confidence to 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 pull than to not have any confidence at all. Uh, but this isn't about Dylan Willard. Dylan Willard didn't even see the foil. <laughs> Dylan does not need to be taking this drive-by shooting right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna pick on him any more than I have to. But uh to circle back to Rondo, yeah. I mean, this is not exactly the playoffs. I mean, if you want to call it postseason, I don't even know what you want to call it outside of the play-in, but it's not the regular season. And Jeff that's Van Gundy, I, I was just watching the Hawks-Hornets uh, game before this, and he was saying on it, he was like just doing classic Van Gundy stuff, shouting at the top of his lungs, demanding that this be considered playoff basketball. It should be. I mean, I think this literally, this literally should be an extension of the of the playoffs. I mean, I think we're still in the early stages of it, so they could still adjust it. But I think it's an excellent idea to consider that because from a statistical standpoint for tracking things, this is kind of an outlier. I don't so. understand the argument to why it's not considered playoff basketball because is it a regular season game? No. And what are you playing for? Postseason? Oh, exactly. that's right. So we're, are we just going to create a whole new like category of game? Like this isn't like preseason. <laughs> I mean, like what – I don't know. I think people just don't want to like taint like like the traditional NBA experience, you know, being like, oh, well, in my time, only eight teams made the playoffs. Yeah, well, you know, also in your time, there's been teams that were below 500 that still made the playoffs in the eight team form. Like there are teams in the East for years that were like seven and eight for the longest time in the East were sub 500 teams. Like the, I can't remember which year it was, but I remember Orlando making it and having like a subpar record. I think, I think Detroit did the same thing uh, yeah. in recent uh, memory. I was against the Cavs. Let's go. Yeah. That Stanley was a, Johnson, was baby. Sweep, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was dope. That was Drummond and Griffin and Stanley Johnson. Oh yeah. Big three right there. Oh <laughs> yeah. And Reggie Jackson. Let's go. Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, who uh, who's Los Angeles Clippers? They advanced last night, didn't they? No, they. It? Yeah, the Wolves. The Wolves. The wolves. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> the man. Wolves. The Wolves won the title yesterday. You didn't hear? They won. They won the chip. Yeah, I saw. I saw. Who was it? Kyle Kuzma's tweet about that. <laughs> I completely spaced out. Um, circling back to the Cavs, though, it's just like watching that game last night. There were positives, much as there are in any any game. And there were also negatives. So what I'm going to ask you to do now, man, is take this in a different route. Let's go negative first. Let's get the bad news out of the way. Yeah, get get, get the less important stuff out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> what is your what's the biggest negative? Like, give me a negative from this game. Uh, I'll just recircle back to Karis Levert because <laughs> you know um, that guy did not figure out what he wanted to do until like the fourth quarter. That's what the vibe I was kind of picking up from Karis. Like it felt like he realized in the fourth quarter, it's like, Hey, you know, they're putting Kyrie on me a lot. And Kyrie is probably the worst defender on the floor outside of Seth Curry. He gives effort though. Like I, Kyrie has been given some effort on D he's just, he's never going to be like a true, like positive defender. I feel like, but he definitely is starting to give effort. 
excuse me, in the latter stages of his career. Yeah, no, it's no slight against Kyrie. It's just that, like, when you look at the matchups, Karis had a good matchup, I felt like, for a majority of the night. Not defensively. We had him matched up against KD, like, for 90% of the game, it felt like. And I was wondering why that was happening. But then I remembered Lori Barkin is a stiff, and he can barely move on the defensive end of the ball. But, yeah, Karis really kind of annoyed me. Not because he had a bad night in general. It just felt like his aggressiveness was, like, at chosen at weird spots and it felt like he really only started turning it on later in the game when we could have used that aggressiveness way earlier. And I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, Karis LeVert, terrible trade. What a dumb decision. I um, wish we had that first round lottery (laughs) pick back. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, Yeah, no, I felt I'm just, I I guess I was more disappointed than I was upset. That's fair, and I, I'm I'm not sure if you saw this earlier that I posted, but it was a to me it was a very telling stat line, kind of a breakdown between the first and second halves that he had because I truly did feel like it was like a tale of two halves for him, um, mm. and I know a lot of that production in the second half did come in the fourth quarter with the Cavs still in it, but I just wanted you to listen to it in the first half. Karis LeVert, you know, three points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals. The most atrocious part of that that everybody's talking about, we all know, the one of nine from the field. That's that's bad. That's atrocious. There's no way around it. And the Cavs could have used each and every one of those. Didn't hit a three-pointer, and he only converted one free throw. Granted, he only took one. Second half, he did seem to kind of round things out a little bit, kind of turn things on and figure out what exactly he needed to do as he was able to chip in nine points, three rebounds, four assists, one steal. Made three of his four field goal attempts in the second half. He did hit a three-pointer, and he went 2-2 from the free throw line, which is a much better effort. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all you can really say about that is that he still – I don't even know because I don't want to make excuses for the guy, and I know most of Cavs, like, social media, whether it be fans or, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know how you want to word it, but a lot of people are looking at this guy like – they, that he's he needs to figure it out, and you can't lie about that. He does, but at the same time, I mean, he's still this is a tough spot for him. Um, so if you had one, like, if you had one particular point of advice for Karis LeVert, what would it be? I feel like you know, I think we talked about this last episode, but definitely like kind of taking the Jetty approach of really restricting what you're gonna do, like figure out what you excel at and just stick to that, which for, I feel like for Karis is to do catch and shoot threes. Not that he has a great percentage, but I think the less dribbles he really needs to take to create those three point attempts, the better. And obviously he, his game primarily should be operated in the mid range and attacking the glass. And I feel like at times it just turns into the Karis show where he kind of like gets tunnel vision, forgets all the other players around him. And he's like, I'm going to show why I'm the best player on the floor right now, regardless of who's there. And that's when I feel like Karis is at his worst. Um, This team has the alpha on the court that they need. But we as we always reiterate that Karis is meant to be this uh second hand for Darius to just give him the minutes to sit on the bench or like take a possession off and just recollect his breath pretty much. And if he can't really do that by uh, just making it the Kara show, then what value is he truly bringing? 
Excellently stated, man. I mean, for him, I think that he just needs to take a step back, breathe a little bit, and 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 just kind of try and get back to playing his brand of basketball. And I know a lot of people have been saying that, but it's the truth. Like it remains true. Do not try and step outside your comfort zone. Do what do what made you and got you to the NBA. We know that you are DeMar DeRozan-like in regards to the mid-range game. We know that you can ISO guys. Just don't do it, you know. Uh, don't don't take guys – don't make everybody else just stand around. And when you talk about the, the tunnel vision aspect of his game, that kind of harkens back to what a lot of people are – really grilling Colin Sexton about and in and, and that part of his game. And we we all know that there are certain similarities between those two. And, and by no means am I saying that they are the same player, but Karis LeVert does have a lot of those same attributes. He can score at will, but also we know that he is a lot like Jetty Osman in which he can be very good when he gets hot and he can also go through stretches when he is very cold and it looks bad. Yeah, I think the thing that's going to be interesting with Karras past this postseason in general is to figure out, like, where do the Cavs kind of see his role being on this team for next season? Because Karras LeVert right now, I think, is playing above, like, is expected to produce above what he should be doing on a night to night basis in terms of consistency. But having him as, like, a key player coming off the bench, like, kind of view him the way that we have like Lamar and Jetty playing right now, but we're not going to like, obviously not play Karis Levert because he's, he's better than to. both those he, players. He, he takes Jetty's role. Uh, absolutely. Next season. If we, if it all boils down to it and Collins back and you have a f- full healthy complement of rotation players, Jetty Osman is not in the rotation. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting because I think Karis is going to become a very valuable player next season. And I think right now we're kind of just like expecting him to become this like second banana on a, like a playoff contending team. And he can do that on some nights, but every like a night to night basis, I would never put Karis Levert in that category of someone that could be a second option for a team or should be a second option for a team. So you can't, fault the guy for playing the way he's played his whole career pretty much and being like well we traded a first round pick and in return i wanted a player that's going to be our savior in the postseason like the the hope was that he would be a good player in the postseason and one game in he didn't look like it but just because it's one game in doesn't mean he's not going to look good in our next game Exactly. He is he is truly a player that can make or break a loss uh, or win. You know, he, he is one of those guys that can go out there and win you a series and, you know, in one game if you need to. Last night just wasn't his night. Hopefully Friday's matchup uh, will be much better. But I want to get your thoughts also on Evan Mobley's. Uh, what do we say again? Not post, not regular season. We're calling so, it the postseason. All postseason right. Season debut. What do you say? What is what is what are your thoughts on his postseason debut? I thought it was great. Um, I, he didn't seem too rattled by the moment, which obviously is like the one thing you always hear about with young players. I mean, how hard, how rattling is it when you're constantly behind though? Could be my counter argument, I guess, because it's not like he was like from the opening tip. It wasn't like the Cavs were in a pressure heavy situation for a majority of the game. It felt like towards the end, it felt like that was the time where everyone was kind of like tighter, but you can't like Mobley just does what he's been doing all season. He's a very consistent player. I honestly have like little to no complaints out of Mobley, except that I wish he was more of a like uh defender of the rim when he's the lone center of the team. But outside of that, like, mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to come like with time. So nothing you can really be upset about. I mean, 
like we like if Jared Allen was in this game, I feel like there's a very good chance the Cavs would have won this game. Oh yeah, both both of these games. And one thing I I've realized uh, last night was I'm pretty sure that damn near every matchup that Cleveland had against Brooklyn, Jared Allen didn't uh, didn't play in, or at least missed three out of the four or four out of the five. I can't remember how many they played this season, but I do not recall him being a part of many of those. Yeah, it's just the second chance opportunities for Brooklyn that kind of felt like the straw that broke the camel's back in these like past two games. Like that's the one thing that stood out to me like the entire time. And I feel like the net series is like the one like series of games where I get the most upset with Laurie Markinen. Like I feel like why this, is that? I just feel like I notice how lackadaisical he is about defense on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. I feel like he drifts like his focus. Just like you, we had him matched up on KD for like parts of this game. And like, you know, if you're defending Kevin Durant, like just don't even pay attention to where the ball is. Just pay <laughs> attention to where KD is. And that's it. And like Lori felt like at times was like a fan watching the ball just go around. And then he's like, Oh crap. KD's a wide open in the corner. But then like, He'll get grabbed on a pick or something and then get angry about that. That's like the one time where I defend Laurie because there was that one KD three, I think, in like the second quarter where I don't remember who set the pick, but whoever it was like it kind of grabbed Laurie's arm. And then KD hit that three where he kind of readjusted his feet that went viral being like KD learned about the (laughs) the foot on the line. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, yeah, KD also had a guy getting manhandled (laughs) on his way to the perimeter, but it's fine. Better perimeter defender, Larry Markinen or Kevin Love. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god throw moses brown into that conversation too the three of them are just they are really good bystanders at watching a three-point contest they should just have them be the ball boys that throw them out honestly at this point yeah that's uh you just you know what it is when you see those guys out in the court you're kind of sacrificing <laughs> defense for offense um especially in the case of uh moses brown who we know can be a pick and roll threat but is absolutely like a a, a terrible a net zero uh, yeah, maybe a net, net zero net maybe negative. one yeah, <laughs> yeah on, no. on defense and that's i'm sorry moses i hate to pick on you i really wish we did see you at least for five to ten minutes last night but i i, I wish yeah. we saw dean wade <laughs> not to like you know keep the running joke going of Sad. us uh being the dean wade uh official podcast but his perimeter defense would have been so nice because that is the one perimeter defender Ooh. i would be confident having yeah. on the floor i, I put together a highlight real of him uh recently and i was i can't tell you how sad i got doing that and watching how much of a positive like impact player this guy is especially on the defensive end like we there's absolutely no way dean wade would not have seen the floor last night if he was healthy um which kind of brings me to yeah, another guy. uh were you <laughs> go ahead no you're good oh no, no, I was going to say, I saw you also added him in the, the post. So I did, you know, thanks again, yeah, thanks again Dean for uh, <laughs> ignoring your loyal fans. I don't know why we're so loyal to you. You don't answer. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try and I reach out, I, but eventually I'm going to wear him down and he's going to come on and uh, we'll see when that happens. It'll probably be like three years from now when Dean Wedge is playing for another team or something, who knows? Uh, but with that said, the other guy here that was kind of, to me, I felt like should have seen a little bit more time was Lamar Stevens. I mean, seven minutes last night and he scored seven points, one point a minute. What are your thoughts about his minutes last night? Efficient to say the least. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no Lamar. I feel like 
it's tricky with Lamar because his offense, he's like aggressive, but I don't know if his offense translates to postseason offense necessarily. Like he's like the energy attack the rim, maybe get that mid range runner that he loves to take. And he, you know, he's willing to take three point shots. I just once again felt like that JB decided like, you know, we really need to like pour offense, on offense, points offense. and, yeah. Yeah. And the one player off our bench that's going to do that is Jetty. I think that's really what it came down to. Any chance we see Dylan Windler on Friday? Unless he wants to, I don't know. I don't know who's winning the game right now. I'm assuming the Hawks are still winning. Um, but I've, unless they want to do a Dylan Windler versus Red Velvet, AKA Kevin Herter show, <laughs> then I, I don't think so. I always like look at uh, Dylan, uh, Kevin Herter, and I'm like, man. That'd be a really nice player for the Cavs to have. I think I do that all the time between him and Duncan Robinson. I'm like, that's like a player that oh, the yeah. Cavs desperately need. I will gladly swap Jetty out for one of those two. Except, you know, Duncan Robinson's contract's horrible these days now, looking back on it. I'll take Max Struess. He's a lot cheaper, and he does the same stuff. <laughs> yeah, and just to kind of piggyback off the top of that, uh, game right now, 63 79 uh, Atlanta still ahead in that one. So it's looking more and more likely that we are going to be facing the Atlanta Hawks on Friday. And with that said, my friend, I want to ask you this, what can the Cleveland Cavaliers do to avoid completely uh, missing the playoffs entirely? If they have to face Atlanta. (laughs) Well, number one on the list by far is get Jared Allen to play. (laughs) Like that is the obvious. (laughs) Well, damn, man. I don't, I don't, you know, those things are out of our control. <laughs> Jared, if your finger breaks again, that's fine. <laughs> just, just take off the split just, and just, just go up. out there. That's what you're telling him. Just man up. Not man up. There. I know he's a bigger man than I'll ever be, <laughs> both in height and in internal strength. But, Jared, <laughs> I, I will literally pay for your next surgery if you go out there to just play. Because the defense needs you. If we can get Jared Allen out there and our defense can kind of go back to the way it normally operates, that fixes a lot of this Cavaliers team issues because the defense has really fallen off a cliff. And if we could just buoy that up, then I feel like that's going to change a lot of stuff. Yeah, and and that's completely fair. I also want to point out this, too. For people who still have the Atlanta loss, that I think it was March 31st loss uh, that we – it was bad. There was no way around it. But you're the, not legally the allowed positive, to bring it up. <laughs> the the one positive takeaway to that is that there was no Evan Mobley involved. There was no Jared Allen involved. There was no Rashawn Rondo involved in that loss. And so you at least have two of those three back. You could possibly see Allen suit up tomorrow. I don't know. I I really haven't checked to see if there's been any update to that. But I'm starting to lean towards the fact that we're probably not going to see him. Um, but if that is the case, do you have the confidence? to sit here and say that you feel that the Cavs can beat them with those two guys back in the lineup. It's going to be close. (laughs) (laughs) You're riding the fence on this one. You don't want to give me an answer. No, it's just like the Hawks are one of those teams that they're so three point dependent. Like even in this game, today between the Hawks and the Hornets. Trey Young wasn't hitting his shots, but it was still Bogdanovich and Herter that were still lighting it up. And even Danello looked good today, which was not a great sight. But, okay, so here's my caveat with that. Like, we know Trey Young is a baller. We know Kevin Herter can get really hot and really quickly. But neither of those guys are KD or Kyrie Irving. And so I feel like 
You could definitely see a bounce back game from Karis LeVert, uh, at least from the offensive standpoint. And you could definitely see Isaac Okoro kind of turning things around here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Isaac Okoro <laughs> could definitely he could, he, he could definitely turn something around. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty it's hard low to bar to turn points. around. <laughs> it's hard not. You to could turn slap a two on there, and I'd be like, you know what, Isaac, good stuff. Way but to it's like, it's it's tough with him though, because I feel like we evaluate him differently than we do most other like starting two guards, uh, because. I'm on most nights, if this is a healthy Cavs team, or at least somewhat healthy, you have Jared Allen back out there, a zero-point stat line from him could be probably much more palatable um, because of what he provides on the defensive end. But in a matchup like uh, against Brooklyn, um, just tough because you know Kyrie is one of the best shot makers in the game, and you know KD is KD. So uh, against this tough Atlanta squad, he was also very good offensively. Um, it's just, it, it all comes down to him providing more than zero points. Yeah. You know, um, that I, like you, you said it a hundred percent correctly. I mean, Isaac is not a player. I'm going to look at the box score at the end of a game and be like zero points worthless. I feel like you, you saw his value in the last Brooklyn game. He held Kyrie to an insanely low seven twenty two. Yeah, and then we he played 13 minutes in the last game, and how did Kyrie look? Oh, oh, Kyrie looked like really good again. Oh, that's it didn't weird. matter. Who I wonder what the outlier Kyrie was last night. Yeah, it did not matter who the hell was guarding him last night. He was going to make every damn shot he could. So was KD. I mean, some of those running mid ranges faders were just nuts. Like I just was like, well, what are you going to do about that? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, same thing. Uh, you know, could possibly happen in this game if guys like if if Isaac Okoro's confidence level is not there because of being pulled. I mean, it's just as easy to see the same type of result. But if you had to give like two keys to the game, what would they be? Uh, defend the perimeter is my number one because mm-hmm. we haven't seen much of that in the past few weeks, and that Hawks team relies heavily on the perimeter to score. And then two is I feel like I know everyone says to like double the best player and have other teams beat you, but Trey young is a facilitator by nature. So the minute you uh, approach him with two, he's just going to pick you apart. And that's what KD kind of did too. In the past two games that we played against him, he turned into a facilitator. It felt like he had like 14 assists. He like in the Pacers game even. So like overall, you just need to keep Trey Young within. Like, I would rather Trey Young just get absurdly confident shooting wise, and that's how he beat they beat us versus him kind of letting everyone else get into it because they do have shooters, oh, uh, much more shooters than Brooklyn. Like, Brooklyn didn't have any shooters really outside of Curry, who was injured, and Bruce Brown somehow having two really good best game in a of row. his career, best game Again. of Bruce Brown's career. And I was so many cuts, so many opportunistic cuts, so many opportunistic rebounds for the guy. I mean, you need guys like that to win championships. Isaac Okoro could look at Bruce Brown's offensive play style and even mimic that if he decides he doesn't want to be a jump shooter because because it's just take like I'm not I'm not. It's going to sound like I'm saying Isaac Coro is not active, but sometimes <laughs> offensively, he definitely just sits there and like kind of waits Post for the play the to corners. come to him. And if he just did some backdoor cutting once in a while, 
it would it would really help. It, yeah, it, it totally would. I could definitely see him, you know, taking a similar type of trajectory if he is able to get there um, in regards to cutting. Um, man, just paying attention to this other game, 91-67. So it's looking entirely pretty much the outcome. I'm not going to say it's cold, but this is damn sure looking like it's going to be This is the Cavs, Mac. You don't have to be positive for Charlotte. <laughs> it's going to be, it's gonna be uh, most likely Atlanta. I'll go that route on Friday. And so – I'm just telling you before we head out of here, the one it's not the it's not the guards. It's not Trey Young, believe it or not. It's not Kevin Herter. It's not uh Danilo Gallinari or anybody else here, Bogdan Donovich, uh Bogdanovich. It's nobody else that's scaring me right now, other than Clint Capella. And I say that because there is literally nobody that will prevent this man from getting to the basket. Uh, you know, if Allen is not healthy. Um, Evan Mobley may try his best, but based upon what we saw uh, against Brooklyn, I just don't see it happening right now. You want to take a guess at what Clint Lapel's stat line is? Uh, I'm going to say like 19 and 12. 15 and 15. Not too far off. And so, I mean, that is worrisome. That That is very worrisome. We're We're lucky they don't have John Collins out there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking, too. I mean, at the end of the day, like both these teams are banged up in separate ways. And I honestly think that they're the Cavs and Hawks will match up pretty well. Like, I think it should be a pretty even game. I know, like I saw everyone thinks the Cavs are better than the Hawks right now. But I think when the Hawks have an on night, they're just as good as the Cavs. And the Cavs, we can't say, have been having on nights really outside of beating the Milwaukee G League team. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, do I think the Hawks are better than the Cavs? No, but I certainly know they have way more offensive firepower. At this yeah, point that's more. Yeah, for sure. And that's what Charlotte's really that was like. That's the main issue between this Charlotte and um, Atlanta game. You kind of noticed it right away. Like Charlotte did not have the shooters to keep up in this game. If Atlanta was hot, like they were going to have to rely on their athleticism and their defense in order for something to happen. And unfortunately for Charlotte, their main guards that they like to use Lamelo and uh apparently isaiah thomas plays minutes for them are probably their worst defenders and terry rosier <laughs> yeah it, it's not looking great just to not to pile on here on charlotte but uh, <laughs> isaiah thomas and Lamelo ball are a combined five of 20 from the field tonight uh just goes to show how bad things are looking for them but we should see you know we'll we'll see We'll see on Friday how things turn. You know, when we do post game on Friday, it's either going to go one of two ways. We're either going to be incredibly, incredibly pissed <laughs> or we're going to be feeling really good because the Cavs have locked up a, uh, a playoff seat. And so with that being I'm said, I'm just going to say we're going to South Beach, <laughs> <laughs> Miami. OK, you can go into Miami. All right. I can dig it. You know, man, I'm positive as as always. And I tweeted out just before we hopped on here. I do have confidence that they can beat either one of these two teams, but a lot has to go right in order to do that. Um, We've seen this team contend with the best teams in basketball at points, and we've also seen them play down to their competition. Need I remind you of the Orlando Magic game (laughs) that we just took uh, part in? Uh, that said, I'm going ahead and go ahead and uh, bring tonight's episode to a close. You, like we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you can. You know what to do. Send us a rating and review proof via whatever medium you're listening to. And you see, I, I'm so distracted right now. 
<laughs> I can barely get through this, dude. I'm so distracted just because I'm anticipating this game on Friday being just like just an offensive shit show. I mean, I cannot <laughs> I, I honestly cannot, you know, fake it here. I uh I feel like we are in for probably one hell of a uh, one hell of a ball game. Yeah, uh it should be something. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.